0: It's time for our collective Trump obsession to end. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. We are all obsessed with Donald Trump. It is true. The last four years have been one of the most singularly entertaining, outrageous, eventful And in some ways, fundamentally damaging periods in American history. And when I say fundamentally damaging, I mean because we are at each other's throats right now. I do not blame Donald Trump for that. Um, I blame the mainstream media for that. I blame the leftists for that. You guys know how I feel about that. But either way, it has been a very damaging period. Now, Donald Trump did wonderful things for this country. But I truly believe... That what he will be remembered for the most is for truly transforming the GOP into the multiracial populist movement that the left only pretends to have. You see, the left only pretends that their you know gr- their victim groups are getting along. They only pretend that that blacks and Latinos and gays and all of these people they're they're one big happy family so to speak. They only pretend that these people are getting along because their fundamental worldview is to pit these people against one another when it is valuable for them, uh, but to mostly pit them against white people. So on the left, they can never really come together because they are so steeped in the language of white people are evil, white people are, are supremacists, racism, racism, racism. So they can only really pretend to, to have um, any sort of real unity right now. But the GOP has the multiracial populist movement, like I said, that the left only pretends to have. We have come together for a lot of different things. The reason why some people on the right, we seem so fractured sometimes, is that we actually are all about open and honest debate and free speech. You know, the left is not about free speech. The left tries to shut down uh, free speech. They try to put... What is safe to say, or what is real to say, or what is acceptable to say, um, in the hands of a very few, which is why they have so many of the problems that they have. But we have lots of different conversations going on around here, and also Donald Trump brought so many new people, like myself, into the conservative movement. I was never a Republican before. I I've been very clear about the fact that I did not vote in 2016, and that my vote, my first vote ever as a Republican was for President Trump in November. And there's something to be said for that. No matter what the criticisms are, no matter what the critiques are, there's something to be said for this. And, and what a lot of people don't realize, and I think that what has really gone to the wayside, is the fact that the left has responded to all of this stuff so vociferously, um, so angrily, so fearfully, so hatefully, so violently is because they know this. They saw what was happening, and they had to try to t- try to tamp it down. He also completely exposed the hypocrisy of the mainstream media for all to see. He completely exposed them. There is nobody, I think, left or right that looks at the mainstream media in the same way after these last four years because they have been completely exposed. I think that Prior to 2015, when when President Trump walked down that escalator, a lot of us liked to think that the media and journalists were fair and unbiased, that these were just freedom fighters reporting the facts, that the only thing they really wanted was to just help to clarify the major issues of the moment. Donald Trump helped us all to see that that was a very carefully constructed lie. We now see them for what they really are, the collective PR arm for mainstream corporate Democrats. And you can see this in, in so many different ways. You can see this from the revolving door of, of these administrations to, to political commentator roles um, in the mainstream media outlets. You can see how there was a, a MSNBC contributor who, who was on air talking about a Biden speech, and he didn't even say that he had helped write it. He was then all, all, removed as contributor. This happened a couple of months ago. So now we all see that, and what we all saw, and what really exposed them for me, and what I, you know, built a, a career on, is when they c- repeatedly misrepresented Trump's quotes and completely misrepresented things that he had said, or, or things that he had tweeted, or took things out of context. We saw that when they colluded to create the very fine people hoax in which they erroneously reported and then repeated ad nauseum until the die was cast, by the way, the absolute lie that Trump said that neo-Nazis and white supremacists at Charlottesville were very fine people. I mean, we saw this kind of stuff over and over and over again. I've got videos all over my Facebook page, like millions of views, where I basically, if if I'm watching the news, like if I'm just at home sitting down doing work and I'm watching the news and I know that there was something in a Trump proposal or something that he said and I know that they're misrepresenting it, I would just do a video and i just like pop it up on Facebook and the things would explode because people realized that they were being lied to. And all I simply did was point out the media malfeasance over and over again. It's not that hard to point out lies and half-truths. You just tell the truth. And for the most part, that's what I did. I came around as a former leftist to the Republican side because, in essence, I was in some way radicalized by the flagrant lying and mistruths that I saw coming from the left in the media. If you want to make an enemy out of me for all time, lie to me. I cannot stand being lied to. I cannot stand being played for a fool. I cannot stand being played like an idiot. Which is why I was so pissed off at some of the people that kept pushing this idea that, oh, Trump's going to get elected, trust the plan, trust the plan, 65D trust, chess, blah, blah, blah. I got so pissed off at them. Because, like, don't treat me like I'm, I'm a fucking idiot, all right? I'm a trained journalist, right? My degree is from Columbia University. So when I saw good legislation being passed under the Trump administration and completely ignored by the mainstream media and completely twisted by people who had their own agendas, I pointed it out. When I saw Opportunity Zones being created to benefit black and lower income Americans and being completely ignored by the mainstream media, I pointed it out. When I saw the most comprehensive criminal justice reform legislation in a generation past without so much as a peep From the media, I pointed it out. It became a game for me. I never wanted to be in the business of, I I never wanted to be one of those people that just offended Donald Trump no matter what he said, no matter what he did. Because I just felt like that was very short-sighted. And I, I just have to make it very clear, I do not work for this administration. I have not worked for the administration. I've never gotten a dime from the administration. I like Everybody knows where my money comes from. It is very obvious that... I do political commentary work, and I have a podcast, and I contribute to a couple of different networks. And I never wanted to be in in the business of being one of these people that defended Donald Trump, no matter what, all the time. Uh, Whether he said or did something or tweeted something stupid, because I learned pretty early on, if you defended him when he said something really boneheaded, and I mean, you know it, it would have to be so boneheaded that he would eventually walk it back. It made you look stupid. And I don't like looking stupid because I'm not stupid. So I stuck with the plan. I called out the good things. I criticized the bad things and did my part to help reelect him because I truly thought that he was the best choice for the country. Still do. Still do. I think that a lot of the stuff that's coming up from the Biden administration is going to be bad. I think that a lot of things are going to be awful. And so for those six weeks, I was... You know, I was on the Trump Pride Coalition. I was flying here. I was flying there. I was doing this event in Phoenix. Doing here, like I went to Hawaii and did something. So I did my part. By the way, because I'm getting a lot of flack right now from people who just like demand. I, I don't know what it is that some people demand. It- it's just this blind loyalty, or just this idea that you are just not supposed to ever criticize anything that he- that he does or or says. Um, and I've been getting a lot of flack like that on social media, and a lot of people have unfollowed. And to to the people that unfollow, I say goodbye. I I say, and I truly do wish you well in your echo chambers, because being alone in echo chambers is the reason why America um is in such a a weird and bad place right now. So I never really saw myself as a trumper or on the Trump train or any of that other stuff. I saw myself as a as a pretty smart and pretty fair political commentator and political figure who obviously had a bias towards the president. I obviously had a bias toward the president. Um, I tried to help get him reelected. Um, I, I, I called the home runs when he did them, and I and I called the strikes when he struck out. And, and look, when you start getting invited to the White House and the Oval Office and things of that nature, it's human nature um, to have a bias towards the man in charge. However, I think that we've all been dealing with a fairly healthy amount of Trump obsession over the past four years, and as a matter of fact, I think it's an unhealthy obsession. I think it was an unhealthy obsession for us all, and I think that it was pushed in part by the mainstream media because this man Let me tell you, one thing about Donald Trump is that that man makes a lot of people a lot of money, all right? That man makes mainstream media outlets a lot of money. That, like, that man and being in support of the president has opened up career opportunities for me that have been completely insane. And I will freely admit that. Like, absolutely, I would. Absolutely. Um, because in this day and age, you have to take a stand. And I took a stand and I did what was right. And I still believe it, it was like, I'll never regret that ever. So it's wild to me when people are like, oh, you're turning your back on Trump or you're trying to become a leftist now? Like, absolutely not. I own every single thing that I said, and I believed every single thing that I said. But like I said, I think that the amount of Trump obsession that has been going on over the past four years is too much. It is too much. And it comes from the right and the left in different ways. On the left, he is despised. A dictator, a monster, a racist. A xenophobe, a homophobe, a transphobe, completely dehumanized, which, by the way, is now extending to the 75 million people that voted for him. This is what the left is going to spend the next four years doing. There are people on the left whose politics are defined by nobody or nothing else besides Donald J. Trump. And there's a, a, a on a part of the right, he is revered. He is a superhuman comic book hero figure who is selflessly taking on the radical left in the deep state. There is no one else that can save America from the deep state but Donald J. Trump. And you must pledge a loyalty to him. he can do no wrong he can speak no wrong he can tweet no wrong in every single thing that he does from ill-advised tweets to shouting matches with stupid reporters is all quote part of the plan oh that amazing and wonderful plan that some people still to this day think will keep him in the White House for another four years to any of these people I say get real wake up wake up into to both of these groups of people, on the right and the left, he is an obsession, defining 100% of their political philosophy, whether they're for or against him. And I think all of us have got a little too caught up in this. And to all of us, I say, it is time for the obsession to end It is time to thank President Trump for his service, for bringing so many people into the movement, and for everything that he has done. It is time to rally the base of the Make America Great Again movement and ensure that we're creating and promoting younger, newer leaders that have the spirit of everything that he's built, yet who may be a bit better at reaching people in a way that's a bit less divisive. It's time to let the president be a kingmaker in the Republican Party, which he absolutely will be. But it's also time for us to get on to the hard work of defining our politics not by a single human being, but by the things that have brought us into the movement in the first place. And if we are truly free thinkers, it's time to stop defining people by whether or not they show 100% total loyalty and fealty to one man. Because that kind of thinking isn't American. That kind of thinking certainly isn't free. And that kind of thinking is not going to bring us back the House in 2022 and the presidency in 2024. It is time for us all to start the rehabilitation process. It is time for us all to get over our obsession with President Trump and move on to the business of fighting for our values in rebuilding America. Because this country needs us. And it needs 100% of our focus to battle what we're gonna be battling for the next four years. Speaking of rebuilding America, and speaking of what we're gonna be battling for the next four years, our new president-elect seems intent on destroying it. And I will tell you how after the break. So, President-elect Joe Biden gave a speech in Delaware. And I, I want you to listen to what he had to say about A $15 minimum wage. Because, God, we really have to talk about this. Our plan will reduce poverty in the black community by one-third. Reduce poverty in the Hispanic community by almost 40%. And includes much more, like an increase in the minimum wage to at least $15 an hour. People tell me that's going to be hard to pass. Florida just passed it. As divided as that state is, they just passed it. The rest of the country is ready to move as well should be a national minimum wage of $15 an hour. No one working 40 hours a week should live below the poverty line. That's what it means if you work for less than $15 an hour and work 40 hours a week, you're living in poverty. Oh, boy, these are the kind of economics that we are going to be hearing a lot for the next four years. And and so, look, the... $15 Fifteen dollar minimum wage. Let's just break this down a little bit because this is, like many things on the left, this is an idea that sounds so much better in theory than it does in reality. I remember a couple of years ago when, um, I think the fight for fifteen. There's a there's this nonprofit group. I think it's called the Fight for Fifteen, and, and they were having hearings, um, on Capitol Hill. And I will never forget this. They had um a, a military veteran. He was, you know, testifying in support of this fifteen dollar minimum wage. And this military veteran was like, um, I am I fried chicken at KFC. And I need a minimum wage for this and for that and blah, blah, blah. And I was looking at this guy. And I'm just thinking, like, number one, if you're a military veteran and you're working at KFC, then you just don't know what is available to you. And by the way, this is not down talking to anybody that works at KFC. When I was 19 years old and I was in the military, I had a second job on the weekends. And what was I doing? I walked right down the street to that KFC on base. And I fried chicken. On Saturday and Sunday nights like that is what I did so this is not me sneering my nose down at the working class or anything like that because I've done all of this stuff but this idea that a federal minimum wage is going to lift people out of poverty is so misguided for so many reasons first of all number one let's just get to the basics Um, the $15 minimum wage is really harmful for small businesses and I'm gonna tell you how so Small businesses generally operate, you know, these margins are, are not very wide. They're, they're pretty much razor thin. And so when the government mandates for these small businesses to have a $15 minimum wage, they're just going to hire less people. They're going to hire fewer people, and the people that they have will get less hours because there is a certain amount that they have to pay out for payroll, and they are not going to go over that amount. And what people that are advocating for for the $15 minimum wage don't understand is they think that just because the government mandates a $15 minimum wage, that all of these people are that are making $9 an hour and working 40 hours a week are going to be making $15 an hour and working 40 hours a week. It does not work like that in the real world, people. Their hours get cut. Because the people that are running these businesses are only going to hit a certain amount of payroll before they start cutting hours or even letting people go. I don't understand why it's so hard for people to realize this. And then it becomes a slippery slope. Because if you can finally get this through a leftist thick skull, that a $15 minimum wage doesn't work for this reason, then they will say, well, the government needs to mandate that every employee works for 40 hours. And so it just becomes this thing that just keeps on going. And not – look, literally, even when I'm on the Twitter thread – that I'm using to, to pull this clip from, the first response, the first response is someone saying, no one should have to work a 40-hour week. That, too, is oppression. Make the work week 32 hours. Like, I, I shit you not. I am reading this verbatim. And this is what is going on. And this is what another thing, this is another thing that people do not realize about this $15 minimum wage. And let me tell you, as somebody who lived in New York City for for 12 years straight, and I have seen this with my own two eyes, because this is what happens, guys. A $15 minimum wage is fine for big corporations, for CVS or McDonald's or Burger King, because you know what they do? They have already started automating. They have machines where people go to, you go to the McDonald's, in Brooklyn and you walk in and you put your order into the machine and then you hand that slip to the person that's the cashier. That used to be a job because they used to have to have more registers open for people to have to to put the orders in manually, right? For, For somebody to have to actually take your order when you go to McDonald's and you get, you know, a double quarter pounder with cheese. But that has all went to the wayside because, by the way, in the socialist state of New York, I believe um, that that they have been operating under under this minimum wage for quite some time now. And so this is what happens, and it's never going to hurt a McDonald's or a Burger King or a CVS or any other multi billion dollar major corporation. Do you know who this is going to hurt? This is going to hurt small businesses. This is going to hurt moms and pops. A $15 minimum wage is going to make it harder for them to exist. So it doesn't work. And you have to have literally like an economics one-on-one understanding, level understanding, to even think that this is a good idea. Because it's not a good idea. And With the $15 minimum wage, and I swear to God, guys, like I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I am not a crazy person. But sometimes the arguments and the discussions that we have in America, I I literally think that there is an agenda. I literally do think that there's a conspiracy to make people think that it is somebody else's job to pay them $15 an hour or that they're entitled to $15 an hour and a 40-hour work week. The types of jobs right, that pay $15 an hour minimum... These jobs were never meant for people to work 40 hours a week. They were never meant for people to sustain themselves in a professional way by. These are the kinds of jobs. And by the way, again, this is not me looking down on anybody. And this is not me uh, um, sneering at anybody because I've done all of this shit, guys. I've done all of it. All right. And so these jobs were always meant for broke college students to, to work part-time. Um, they were meant for teenagers. And so now in the way that our society is going and the way that things have shifted and the way that this conversation has started, now we are looking at retail jobs and, and fast food jobs and all of these things. We are looking at these jobs as jobs that are meant to provide people a living wage to work 40 hours a week, and they were never, ever meant to be that. And that's one of the fundamental problems with how we talk about um, minimum wage in the society, and, and how we talk about work in the society. And I swear to God that there's like a conspiracy underfoot because they do not want they do not want people to be entrepreneurs. They do not want people to think that there's something else for them besides um, a job where they're you know begging for a fifteen dollar minimum wage. And I think that there's something behind that. And I find it so frustrating um, and so sad that this is always where our conversation is about $15 minimum wage, about working at Walmart or, or Target or Dwayne Reed or McDonald's or CVS or any of these other places that were never meant for people to work full time. Why aren't we talking about trade schools? Why aren't we talking about people uh, like becoming plumbers and becoming electricians and all of this other stuff, which by the way, a lot of people that are working fifteen dollar minimum wage jobs like this, like they are perfectly capable of of doing trade jobs and perfectly capable of going to a community college, taking a couple of business classes and learning what it is to, to start their own business and learning what entrepreneurship is. But yet we never have that conversation in this country. So the left brings up the $15 minimum wage. In the right, we have to be the bad guys. We have to say why this stuff doesn't work. And in order for us to survive the next period, in order for us to survive the next four years, in order for us to really do what we need to do, we need to start going on the offensive. So the next time somebody brings up a $15 minimum wage, I'm going to bring up trade schools and community college and entrepreneurship. Because I'm tired of the entire conversation in this country being about people working a minimum wage job and and supposed to, you know, they're supposed to live on $15 an hour for 40 hours a week, which is never going to happen because that is not what those jobs were ever built to do. And I'm very, very tired of it, honestly. I'm tired of this conversation. So if I'm telling you guys that we need to go on the offensive, I'm going to be the change that I want to see, and I'm going to start going on the offensive and talking about trade schools and talking about entrepreneurship and not talking about a $15 minimum wage because it's a trash idea and it does not work. Up next, the hypocrisy of the left is on full display again, and I'm going to tell you exactly why. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. It is going to infuriate you. That's coming up after the break. So, now that we've got President-elect Biden taking office later this week in a D.C. that is completely shut down, a D.C. that's going to have National Guard troops swarming all over, a D.C. that, by the way, has fencing and razor wire around the Capitol. God, it looks like a, I don't know, some sort of military zone. Now we're getting word that... They are retiring the name, Operation Warp Speed. They're retiring the name of the plan that that President Trump created and cut a whole bunch of bureaucratic red tape to get through that actually got the coronavirus vaccine into the bodies of millions of Americans thus far in record speed. So now the left is saying the left is retiring this name because this is what they do. And honestly, I, I'm gonna have to agree with with my my friend Jesse Kelly, who is uh who has a show over there on the first. Um, and if you guys don't know who Jesse Kelly is, he he's really funny. He's an amazing guy. Check him out. I think he's at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter. And when this stuff happens, he Jesse Kelly always says that he is literally in awe of the left. He is in awe of the Democrats because you know what? They play to win. And so they're going to retire Operation Warp Speed. They're going to retire the name of it. They're going to retire everything that could possibly connect President Trump with the success of getting a vaccine created for the coronavirus, this thing that has devastated the entire world, by the way, in less than a year. And into the arms of a million of Americans, they're going to retire that name because they're going to come up with some other stupid name to tie it directly to the Biden administration. And then when it goes out and when things start opening up stuff and all of that stuff happens, they're going to say, oh my God, can you believe how amazing Joe Biden is? Can you believe that he's gotten this vaccine out there and that we have defeated coronavirus and the mainstream media, these assholes? They are going to go hook, line, and sinker with it. Oh, MSNBC and and CNN and um, HuffPost and all of the people, they're going to do all of these stories about how amazing it is that we can get life back to normal now that the vaccine is coming out. And they're going to completely erase everything that, that President Trump did and everything that all these people did. And I'll tell you what, it's brilliant. It's evil, but it is brilliant. Because this is what the left does when they get power. They play to win. What does the right do when we get power, when we have power? In 2016, the House, the Senate, and the presidency, what do they do? Oh, they cut fucking taxes? They cut taxes. But I'm telling you, when the left gets power... They wield it and they know how to use it and they don't give a fuck what anybody says about it because they're the ones in charge. And I hope to God that Republicans start learning this lesson and they start learning this lesson right now for good because we need to watch exactly what the left is doing and we need to play to win just like they do. And now there is this push from the left. By the way, There's a push to reopening business. Now there's a push to reopen business. Now Governor Cuomo is saying that the New York economy cannot last with all the lockdowns and that they need to reopen. Um, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she's now saying that they have to open everything up as quickly as possible. Now, after they have spent the past nine months... Calling anybody else who said this, by the way, all of us who said this on the right, all of us who were not hysterical, all of us who were actually really trying to think about the facts and data, and and also mitigate the fact that we were losing lives to coronavirus, and coronavirus is dangerous, but we were also, people were losing their entire livelihoods over these lockdowns, people killed themselves over these lockdowns, we had our elderly people die alone because of these lockdowns we had people go into depression we had this lockdown breaking up marriages and relationships and so much stuff but yet when we said this last year we were murderers we were trying to kill grandma because we wanted to go to brunch but now now that the left has the house the senate and the presidency now that they have everything that they wanted the 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 turnaround is it's enough to give you whiplash But we all knew this. We all knew that they were hypocrites. And now we are seeing this in real time. We are seeing Governor Cuomo say this. We are seeing Lori Lightfoot say this. Next up, I'm telling you, they're going to fall like dominoes. Next up, it'll be de Blasio. It'll be Newsom, that asshole. And so this is the hypocrisy of the left. This is the hypocrisy of these people. It It truly is stunning. It truly is, guys. It it truly is, because this is the line of conversation that they're going to have. And it's all coming to plan because now that they have completely, they're going to completely erase Donald Trump from anything that has to do with the coronavirus vaccine, that they have completely demonized the rest of us. For spending all of last year saying that these lockdowns are bullshit and don't work. Now that they've gotten what they wanted, they're going to switch the narrative because they're fucking hypocrites. And they always have been. But there is the part of me, and I'm the type of person where if I fuck up, or if something goes bad in my life, or if I lose friendships, or if somebody doesn't want to deal with me anymore, or um, if I fuck up a job opportunity or something like that, I always have to look in the mirror. And I always have to say, what is it that I have done to at least cause this in some part? That's not to say that I blame myself for everything. It's to say that I take responsibility because personal responsibility is a conservative value. And we really need to look at ourselves. And we really need to think about what it is that we on the right or right-leaning or independent free-thinking, whatever you want to call it, we allow these people to do this over and over again. We allow them to craft the narrative. We allow them to make us feel bad about saying that the lockdowns were, were, were bad. And we allow them to switch teams so quick and to switch their ideas so quick that they know that they're never going to that they're never going to get called out on it. They know that they're never going to get a, that that nobody is ever going to criticize them for it. And that sucks. So what we have to do as conservatives, moving into this next four years, moving into the future is we have to figure out a way to be on the offensive about things. I'm so tired of playing defense against the left. I am so tired of talking about what they're doing that's bad. We have to play offense, and we have to play offense about our ideas. Because we could have been more forceful last year in in our defense of opening up things. We could have been more forceful, and like we could have made... The left deifies freaking Governor Cuomo. We should have been doing the same thing for Governor Ron DeSantis, who has done all of the right things in terms of mitigating coronavirus but also allowing... Americans the opportunity to work and live their lives. So we need to go on the offense about this stuff, guys. And I'm telling you, if we do not, then the left is going to continue running the show just like they are right now. They're running the White House. They're running the House. They're running the Senate. They're running all of the mainstream media. We are out in the wilderness. And that is where we will continue to be if we don't start playing some offense. So start thinking about how are you going to do that? Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, Robert Borofsky, researcher Aaron Kleegman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.